John chapter 6, verse 67 to 69. So Jesus said to the twelve, Do you want to go do you want to go away as well? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Okay, let's pray. Father, we are gathered as your children. And like Peter, we say, to whom shall we go? Jesus, you're it. You have the words of eternal life. So we pray that you would impart life to us. We come to you in our hunger, our thirst, our confusion, our dryness, our uh, hardness. We come to you, Jesus, for life. We pray that you would speak to your people. We give you this time, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. You all know the main point of today's message. Uh, Please sing it with me. Trust and obey. Let's do it together. For there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Amen. Trust and obey. That is the message for today. Some may have other versions of the hymn. Uh, One version that I think we'll see from John chapter 6 is, Trust in my way, for there's no other way to be happy with myself than to trust in my way. There's that one. And there's a third one. Trust and obey sometimes. When I want to. That's the variation. Uh, John chapter 6, verse 1 to 15. uh, Jesus uh, feeds the 5,000. I should just point out there are three groups of people. We're going to kind of go through uh, quickly uh, John chapter 6. And there are three groups of people. Uh, There are those with counterfeit faith. And that is the crowd, uh, which we'll see in in a minute. And it is Judas. This is the people with counterfeit faith. Um, people who say trust in my way for there's no other way but to be happy with myself but to trust and obey then there are uh, there are the many disciples so this is beyond the twelve there are others that are following Jesus Uh, they are ones I would describe as weak faith and when the going gets tough and there's confusion they walk away Uh, So they trust and obey sometimes when it's convenient, when you want to, you turn on YouTube, when you get tired, you turn off, you unsubscribe, I don't want to follow Jesus anymore. Uh, There are those with a weak faith who pick and choose when to trust and obey. And then there are the 11 disciples, so 12 minus Judas, they have a growing faith. And I pray that all of us can find ourselves in in the last group. John 6, 1 through 15. Jesus feeds the 5,000. And it says in verse 1, After this, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. And a large crowd was following Him because they saw the signs that He was doing on the sick. And then jumping down to verse 15, Perceiving then that they were about to come and take Him by force to make Him king, Jesus withdrew again to the mountain by Himself. 
And so there's a great crowd of people who are following Jesus and they are, they are mesmerized by the signs that He does. And they, they, are, uh, they are on the, uh, the west side of the Sea of Galilee in Tiberias uh, and they are following Him because of the miracles. And they want to make him king, and they they uh, they want to. You could say they are, they want to entrust themselves to Jesus and make him king. But Jesus does not want to entrust himself to them, so he withdraws. And then in verse sixteen, it says, "When evening came, his disciples went down to the sea, got into a boat, and started across to Capernaum, and that is the north side of Galilee. So from the west." Um, they got into a boat and they go toward the north of the Sea of Galilee. And then jumping down to verse 22, on the next day the crowd that remained on the other side of the sea saw that, they, that there had been only one boat there and that Jesus had not entered the boat with His disciples, but that His disciples had gone away alone. Other boats from Tiberias came near the place where they had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. So when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor His disciples, they themselves got into the boats and went into Capernaum seeking Jesus. When they found Him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? So these, uh, this crowd is, is an aggressive crowd. They, um, they're, uh, I could, you could say they're churchgoers. Uh, they're interested in Jesus because Jesus has something for them that they want. A healing, a deliverance, an answer to prayer. And they are, uh, um, they are aggressive enough that when they don't see Jesus in the previous place they saw Him, they get into a boat and they follow Him and they're going around and Jesus is going from the west of the Sea of Galilee to the north and they are traveling with Him. So these are, uh, what you could say, some, somewhat serious. And it even says in verse 24 that they are seeking Jesus. And so we would say these are Christians. You, you show up on a Sunday and you're here to meet Jesus and you are and you, and you want to go where He is. And so these are somewhat serious you could say. But Jesus reveals their heart in the next verse, in verse 26. Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Remember why this crowd uh, is... is um, um, in what context this crowd first met Jesus. Jesus is doing miracles and this miracle involved multiplication of bread and fish. And so they're getting their stomach filled. And so they are, uh, Jesus is a meal ticket for them. They want something. And so I would say this counterfeit version of faith is a very self-seeking faith. What's in it for me? If you ask many people, why do you go to church? You get all kinds of reasons. Um, it, you know, of course, they'll say Jesus. That is the right answer. Uh, but if they're really honest, and some people actually say it with their lips, oh, I, I'm going to this church because they have a good kids program. It's all about the kids. Um, and of course, we know from Matthew chapter seven, there is an idolatry of ministry that all people can fall into, especially the zealous ones in God's church. That we want to. We're the first ones to show up at church. We're the last ones to leave. We, we attend every small group. We, we sign up for mission trip. And so there's a great danger of idolizing ministry to the neglect of everything else, including family. Equally dangerous is, is idolizing your family. 
And there are many people in God's church today who are idolizing family. They are only there because of the kids program. And, and do they really care that the kids are saved? Or do they really just want good Christian friends? They just want good influences so that the kids stay moral and stay out of trouble. Is that, isn't that the heart of many people? So if Jesus were to reveal, why are you seeking me? Uh, what would he say about you? There is a self-seeking faith, which is a counterfeit faith. Judas also is a counterfeit faith. We can jump down to verse 64. But there are some of you who do not believe, for Jesus knew from the beginning who those were who did not believe and who it was who would betray Him. Jesus answered them, Did I not choose you, the twelve? And yet one of you is a devil. He spoke of Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, for he, one of the twelve, was going to betray Him. So the crowd... um, it doesn't take much to uh, expose them or deter them. All Jesus has to say is, you're just chasing me for a meal ticket. And they just say, well, I guess you caught me. You're right. And, and then they, they're nowhere to be seen. They're not going to try to make Jesus king anymore because he, he, he exposed what they're really after. Judas's counterfeit faith is much more hidden. He is, he is so committed on the surface. He is with the twelve. And the twelve, like Peter, is married. He, I mean, he has a family. We know that he has a mother-in-law and Jesus ministers to them. And so Peter and, and the rest of the twelve, they are, they are all in on the surface. They are, they are, they are like the full-time ministers. They're spending the bulk of their days uh, with Jesus. And, and Judas, he is just kind of in there and you don't know uh, uh, that his faith is counterfeit. And Jesus is calling him out, but nobody knows who it is. A counterfeit faith is is self-seeking. A counterfeit faith, like Judas, has an ulterior motive. Uh, It could be so blatant that you just want food. You just come to church because we have food on Sunday and that's why you're here. You come to church on Sunday because you want friends for your kids. It's not even about their salvation. There are those blatant things, but they're the hidden things. Like Judas is just stealing money. And so it's like deep down, he's like, you just want Jesus to bless you with money. You just want Jesus to bless you with a nice home. You just want Jesus to bless you with the life that you always want. And this one is so hidden that even yourself, you don't know if if when Jesus calls out the 12, like, who is it? And Jesus may make a, a, a declaration of, and broadcast it on a Sunday, this is your heart, and, and you would even find yourself justifying and saying, that's not me, it must be the next guy. So that counterfeit faith is hidden, but all of it is self-seeking. There is some motive other than Jesus is why you're following Jesus. Now we get into uh, what is true faith. John Uh, 6 verse 27 Do not work for the food that perishes but for the food that endures to eternal life which the Son of Man will give to you for on Him God the Father has set His seal Then they said to Him What must we do to be doing the works of God? Jesus answered them This is the work of God that you believe in Him whom He has sent have you ever has has anyone ever defined to you that work of God is essentially uh, not what you do on a Sunday, 
is not setting up equipment. It's not, it's not preaching on a Sunday. It's not uh, doing all the food and the snacks and cleaning up after church. That is not the work of God. The work of God in its essence is to believe. And belief, if you, if you don't define it properly, you may give a very mistaken view of the Christian life. Like if you think it's just a doctrinal set of beliefs and it's just an intellectual uh, thing you have to agree to. It's like binary. Do you believe? Yes or no? And many people in God's church, they just think it's a, a thing of the intellect and what you agree, agree to and subscribe to. And, and it is just my mind saying, yes, Jesus is the Son of God. Yes, Jesus died on the cross. Yes, I believe He rose on the, uh, on the third day. Yes, I believe He sits on the right hand of God. And you have your Apostles' Creed. You have your Nicene Creed. You have your, 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 program, your, your membership class that you attended. We hit all the main points. And you, if you think uh, belief is mainly a mental exercise, then you miss the heart of what it means to be a Christian. A better definition of faith is not belief. It is trust. Because trust is relational. Um, trust is relational. There are levels to it. Like there, there's a stranger that if I meet them for the first time and they, and they share their life story, I just met them and so they feel comfortable with me. I'm not going to share my life story with them. I just met them. There are those uh, that I will just be an acquaintance with. I just met or, or we're just really not on the same page spiritually. So I'll meet you on your birthday. I'll meet you once in a while. But there are those in my family, in my inner circle that I will share everything with because I've... I've developed a level of trust. And so different levels of trust. And so even believers, we have different levels of trust. There's counterfeit, which is no trust at all. There's a weak faith, which is trust that is um, some, sometimes it's there. Sometimes it's not, depending on the issue. And then there is a, a faith that keeps on growing that says, I will trust Jesus no matter what in every situation. And the work of God is to believe or to trust in Him. This is relational. It is not doctrinal, intellectual, mental. It's not an exercise of the brain. This is a relational term which brings out how much do you trust Jesus. And it's also very practical. Because you, you, when you say, I believe in Him, that is yes or no, binary, black or white, either you have it or you don't. But if you say you, you trust in somebody, that one... You can see it play out, like when you ha- when you are um, faced with with no money. That is an issue of trust. Has have have you ever been in that situation and you and you surrender to the Lord and you said, Jesus, I trust you with my finances, and then He pulled you through. Then what happens after He pulls you through is your level of trust when it comes to finances has grown. When you have a when you have a health situation. You might run to the doctor because Jesus has never proven Himself to you because you've never let Him prove Himself to you. You run to the doctor. You run to the the therapist. You run to every worldly credentialed person first. But you don't go to Jesus. And you don't bring the loved one to Jesus. How can Jesus ever prove Himself to you? If you bring Him 
if you bring yourself to Jesus or you bring your loved one to Jesus and Jesus comes through, then your level of trust has grown. Oh, I can, I can trust Him with my finances. I can trust Him with my job. I can trust Him with my kids. I can trust Him with my future. If He comes through for you, again and again, your trust levels up and it's very practical because you can see it. You can see lack of trust. You see it on your face. There is stress. You see it in your heart. There is burden. You see the the heaviness that comes in over you and it's like a a wet blanket. It's all over you. Everyone around you can see. Oh, that person says he believes, but there is no trust in Jesus. Beliefs are abstract, but trust is very practical. You can see, you can test yourself very quickly. Do I trust in Jesus with my life, with my spouse, with my kids, with my finances, with my job, with where I live? Every key decision, do I trust Him? Has, have I given Him these things before? Has He proven Himself? Has He come through for me? Then my trust is growing. And that's where we want to be. Verses 48 to 59, Jesus teaches in a synagogue at Capernaum regarding the Lord's Supper. And he, he, he speaks as, it almost sounds like cannibalism. Like feeding on my flesh, drinking my blood. Like if I heard that there's a religion like that and its founder is talking like this, I'm saying that is crazy. What are you doing? This, you should get away from that person. That person is speaking nonsense. But it turns out this is one of the critical teachings of the Christian faith. We observe it on a Sunday. We remember Jesus' body that was broken. It was pierced. His blood that was shed. This is what ushered us into the kingdom through Jesus' own shed blood and His body that was broken. We do it every Sunday. But here, this is before Jesus died. This is before He shed His blood. And they're hearing about this and they're saying, Jesus, am I supposed to take a bite of your arm? Is that what you're asking me to do? This is crazy. And and there is a larger set of disciples. It says in verse 60, when many of His disciples, this is beyond the twelve, dozens, maybe even hundreds, when many of His disciples heard it, they said, this is a hard teaching. Who can listen to it? And then jumping down to verse 61. But Jesus, knowing in Himself that His disciples were grumbling about this, said to Him, Do you take offense at this? So Jesus sees the hearts of the many disciples. He sees there's a growing offense. Like, I am offended. I don't understand. This is confusing. This is barbaric. Uh, How can I say I want to follow this guy? There's all this that's welling up. Jesus sees it. He calls it out. Do you take offense? Just because you don't understand. So we have a choice. When we don't understand something, you can either take offense, and as we see, verse 66, John 6, 6, 6, many of His disciples turned back and no longer walked with Him. When you encounter a trial, 
when you encounter a tribulation, when you encounter something, it just doesn't make sense. It could be a teaching, it could be a circumstance, it's some situation, and it, it, just, it, just, it just doesn't compute. And, and there's a frustration and a confusion and an offense that wells up inside of you. And at that point, you have a choice. You either take offense and you walk away because your faith is weak, or you, or you stand your ground, you hold on to Jesus. And you say, I give you, I don't understand Jesus, but I give you my confusion. And then you have a chance there that your trust will get built up. If you're weak in your faith, every time there's a difficulty, you got to see what is your initial reaction? Is it stress? Is it burden? Is it the, the sky is falling? Is it like somebody help me? Somebody out there help me? What is your reaction when there is a trial, a test, a difficulty? Something you just don't understand. Do you just take offense and walk away? And we might not do this blatantly, but in our heart, we, we, di- we, we let go of Jesus. We disengage. We, we unsubscribe and say, i got to find some other person on YouTube. Somebody who teaches a little better. Someone who can actually help me. Because Jesus, you, what you just told me is not helping me. I'm offended and I will find somebody out there who can meet my needs. And so we don't say it, but in God's church, there are many with weak faith. Sometimes you trust and obey. Sometimes you hold on to Jesus. Sometimes you walk with Jesus. Many times because your faith has remained weak. In that moment of choice, you walk away from Jesus. And the reason why I say trust and obey is... um, Again, if you think that faith is merely intellectual, you think, well, Jesus is everywhere. Why do I have to walk with Him? He's everywhere. He's, he's, He's in L.A. He's in Texas. I don't have to go to Texas to meet Jesus. Jesus is everywhere. If you think about it, He's everywhere. And so if you're, if you're believing in... Uh, uh, Jesus is, is not somebody I have to walk beside and I have to follow Him. Like Jesus, when He was physically here, it was so obvious. Like when He's in the Sea of Tiberias, where are the disciples? They're right by His side in Tiberias. When Jesus moves to Capernaum to the north, where are the disciples? They're moving with Him to Capernaum. When He goes in chapter 7, the next chapter, uh, to Galilee, where are the the twelve? They're right next to Him in Galilee. And so there's a walking with Jesus through life to different, it could be different locations, it could be different assignments, but there's a walking with Him. But you might say, well, Jesus, He's everywhere. I can just be in any place. And while that's true, if you don't learn to walk with Him, you forfeit your destiny. There's God's greatest that I want you to receive. I want every, every reward that is potentially out there for me, I want to go after it, all of it. And so if I were to do that, then I can serve Him here. I can serve Him overseas. I can serve Him in a, in a, in a Republican state. I can go anywhere. And in, in, in theory, Jesus can be there. But unless I learn to follow Him, like I was in Alhambra for 13 years, suddenly the Lord brought me to Torrance. I didn't know why. Now I'm beginning to see why. It started, the, the pieces are starting to fall together. There are reasons why He moved me and I was walking with him from Alhambra to Torrance. 
And that is that every person has to do this for themselves. Where is Jesus leading you? It could be leading you somewhere else. But be careful. Are you being led somewhere else because Jesus is leading you or it's your comfort, your convenience, your self-centeredness, something to do with your kids? Is that what's leading you elsewhere? Or is it really Jesus? And that's something you all have to, we all have to wrestle with. Like, why am I, why do I think I'm, I, He's leading me to this location? Is it really Jesus? Or is there self-centeredness that Jesus needs to expose? And only you can do that for yourself. And when it says walking with Jesus, the reason why we walk with Him is to know Him. But if you really want to know Him, you don't have to walk anywhere. You could be like a sheep and say, I'm never going anywhere. I just have a little plot of green grass. Jesus is walking, but, but, but He's my shepherd. He's way over there on the other side of the hill, but I got my little plot of green grass. The reason why we walk with Him is because there's something else on the other side that He wants us to experience. There's some obedience. There's some assignment. And that's why we sang the song, Trust and Obey. There's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Is it just trust and I'm happy with Jesus? It's true. We should be happy that our name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. We should not rejoice in the ministry, yes. There's a danger to idolize it. There's also a danger to idolize, well, I got my little plot of ground. It's just me and my family. I don't have to care about the world. I don't have to care that most people in this world are going to hell. I don't have to care about the laws. I don't have to make disciples. As long as my family is well taken care of, see, there's an idolatry there too. But God, He wants to move us and He wants us to walk with Him. And there's a growing in our faith. There's, a, there's a, an assignment. There's an obedience. There's somebody on their other side we need to minister to. Because God loves them as much as He loves you and He wants you to be His hands and feet. And so that's why we walk with Jesus. That's why we end up in different places. It's not by our choice. We're not saying, well, Torrance is the best place on earth to live. That's why I I selected on the map, I selected Torrance. That's not how we do life. We just walk with Jesus. He led us to one place. When, when, When the time is up, He released us from that place. He gave us a clear sign. Now here's the next place, the next assignment. We walk with Him. That's why trust and obey. There is no other way to be happy in Jesus than to trust and obey. So there's a counterfeit faith which is self-serving, self-centered. There's a hiddenness that, that when even when Jesus calls us out, we don't even know it's us because we're blind to it. Uh, there's a weak faith like the many disciples who heard a difficult teaching. Life got rough. And they just said, Jesus, no thank you. I want, I, I got to go for another teacher. Uh, Jesus, you must not be the one. And then there are those who are growing in their faith. And this is where we all want to be. John 6, verse 67 6 through 69, which we read in the beginning. So Jesus said to the twelve, Do you want to go away as well? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. And, and we know Peter's story. 
We know he denies Jesus. We know he almost lost his faith. We know he almost went back to fishing. But Jesus, he knows who is his own. He doesn't lose those who are entrusted to him and those uh, who are entrusting themselves to Jesus. Jesus will go looking for you even in those moments when you're stumbling and faltering. And and here is a a moment of of strength when there's a revelation that, that Peter has and he is declaring it. To whom shall we go? And so he's looking at all his friends. They were, they were all buddies. This whole crowd of people were all believers. This was a more than 12. This is like 30 people, 50 people, 100 people. We know at the, in the end, in the upper room, there's 120. So this must be more than 120. This is perhaps thousands of people that are following Jesus. Out of the 5,000 who were called disciples because they believe there are some subset of the 5,000 I think this could be even thousands of people and so uh, how um, lonely it must feel for Peter and the twelve that suddenly because of one preaching hundreds thousands walked away like you thought this thing was growing. You think you thought this is booming, and we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna do something for the kingdom, and then suddenly, it's back down to twelve, because they heard one message they could not understand. It was confusing, and they walked away. And and Peter says, "Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life." And again, this is this is this is faith, uh, which which is better translated as trust, and, and trust is like a muscle. Faith is like a muscle. You must exercise it. Uh, if you are just well, it's just just me and my family, my plot of ground. I'm just grazing on the grass. You you never like you know. I never have to leave my house because my house is great. Uh, I have my computer. I can play games and and put down the shade and and I can, can I never have to leave the house because I, I just get my phone. I click Amazon Prime. Everything is delivered to me, and and that happens for decades. And your body is just so weak that it's a struggle for you to even get out of your gaming chair because all of your muscles have atrophied. Faith is a muscle. You must exercise it. Which is why you must walk with Jesus. You must walk with Him. It is difficult. It's much easier to say, it's just me and my family. As long as we're safe, we're just going to shut ourselves off to the rest of the kingdom of God and all the obedience and the assignments. I don't have to trust and obey. I'm just going to trust and it's just me and my clan. Perhaps God is going to use you to reach someone down the street. Perhaps God is going to use you to reach the nations. Who knows? We don't know if we're the, the one meaner person. We don't know that if we're going to be the one at the end who will produce ten. We don't know. Only God knows. But when God asks you to walk with, when Jesus says, walk with me, I have something to show you. I have something to, you need to do. What will you say? We say, Jesus, well, I'm happy with you and, and, we're, and I have my plot of grass. And Jesus says, walk with me. I have something in Capernaum for you. I have something in Galilee for you. And eventually, 
Jesus is not going to be there and, and it's not going to be just the twelve and, and their happy little family of, of, of spiritual family. Each of them is going to be scattered because of persecution, because of missions, because of God's call upon their life, because they're trusting and obeying. It's not just my little enjoyment of the people I love and feel safe with. No, if you, if you follow Jesus, it's likely, if, if we're doing it right, that God will put us in different places. And we're going to minister to people. And God will have compassion on a crowd. And we say, I don't want to deal with a crowd. I got my 12. I'm happy. No, Jesus has compassion. And He's saying, "Where can I raise up a worker to send to that crowd? He doesn't need to send all 12. He just needs to raise up one. Send it there to that crowd. Raise up another one. Send it to that crowd. And it's just wherever He needs you, wherever He there, there's ministry to be done, it's like, who, who can obey me? A growing faith is, Lord, to whom shall we go? So it does come down to trust in Jesus. Before I turn to my family, before I turn to my, fa- uh, my parents, before I turn to my bank account, before I turn to my doctor, before I turn to my professor, where will I turn to? It has to be, to whom shall we go? This is the essence of what it means to trust in Jesus. Jesus, I will go to you first. I don't understand. It's confusing. Everybody else is falling away. But Jesus, you're the only person. You're the only way to the Father. You're the only way to eternal life. You're the only way who can fix this situation. You're the only way who can bring peace to my heart, even if as the storms rage. You're the only person who can make my heart burn again for you. You're the only person, Jesus. I come to you. I come to you. Where else am I going to go? What other rabbi is better than you? What other religion is better than you? Whoever, who, what human is smarter than you? Who can do the things that you do? Where else will I go, Jesus? I've seen enough. You are the Holy One of God. And I will follow you. Okay, let's pray. Father, forgive us. And Holy Spirit, expose us if we have counterfeit faith. Show it to us, Holy Spirit. If there's a self-centeredness, if there's an idolatry, that we really have no plan to obey Jesus. That we really don't want to live for Jesus. You've given us what we want, and you're just a means to some other end. If that's the kind of counterfeit, self-centered faith that we have, I pray that you would show it to us. Holy Spirit, show it to us. If we're weak in our faith and we're selective in our obedience and when trial hits, we disengage and unsubscribe from Jesus, show it to us, Holy Spirit. If we're like Peter and the eleven, far from strong faith, but at least they're growing. At least they know who they're going to turn to. At least they know who they're going to hold on to. Jesus, I pray that all of us would be there and we declare in this moment, Jesus, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. I will commit from this point forward to hold on to Jesus from this day forevermore. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name.